Hey everyone, welcome to Go To With Radio, it's Jerry Scarlato. Today we're gonna do a fact or fiction episode. What you see on social media is what you get. Now, I think intuitively, a lot of us understand that a lot of what we see on social media and a lot of what we see online is not necessarily the truth. As a matter of fact, there are plenty of memes and jokes and sayings about learning from or information gathered from social media and outlets online. Plenty of good jokes about it. And of course, on the other end of that, there's plenty of good learning and education and communication and networking to be had on social media and online as well. So the question is, why do we still fall for a lot of what we see? We, we look at social media, and I, again, I think intuitively we understand that a lot of what we see is not exactly the way that things are. And yet, I, I think that society as a whole is still falling for a lot of the propaganda and content distribution that is being thrown out there. And I don't mean propaganda in any like direct sense, just like the content that is being distributed and how it is being distributed, like why we are being so distracted and why we are being fed the stuff that we're being fed. Now that's this today's episode is not directly about like the content itself. It's more about the parameters of the content and how the algorithms of the content or of the social media platforms decide what to do with certain pieces of content and what to do with other pieces of content. Now, when it comes to learning and being in a social network in general, which is primarily what we're going to be talking about, learning in a social network and how we have done that historically and how we are doing that today and how those two are in gigantic conflict right now. But when it comes to learning in a social context, historically speaking, we've learned from our in-group, our peers, our close peers, from people of high prestige, if you will, and then from our, the next layer, kind of our outer group, not our close peers necessarily, but those outside of our close peers who we see um, in society. So if you look at the first couple hundred thousand years of human evolution, we primarily lived in tribes, small groups and tribes. And so we literally learned from the small group, the, literally our in-group, everybody around us, whenever we needed to learn as we were growing up, learning how to hunt, learning how to gather, learning how to communicate, learning how to move, learning how to live life, learning how to effectively get something done. That was all learned from your in-group. All you did was watch everybody around you and also actually go through the experience with them. When it was time to learn how to hunt, you went and you hunted. When hunted, when it was time to learn how to gather, you went and gathered. When it was time to learn how to cook, you went and cooked. You actually went and did the thing and you learned from everybody around you. When Y'all were all eating together. You watched how everybody communicated and you saw what happened and you see what good interaction looks like and what bad interaction looks like and you, you learn how to communicate. You also learn from prestigious people. We did that. We've done that since the dawn of time. Tribe leaders from many years ago. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I think that wire fell down. 
Sorry, I got distracted. Um, tribe leaders from many years ago, chiefs from many years ago, whatever you want to call the leader of the tribe, we believed the wisdom that they told us because the wisdom that they learned came from previous generations, which came from previous generations, and so on and so forth. So a lot of the information that we had was very believable and trustworthy information because it came from a smaller group of people and a close-knit group of people. But as those groups got have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, we have had a harder time adapting to what is real and what is not real or what is true and what is potentially not true. And so we still follow some of the same guidelines as far as how we learn, i.e. through in-group and through prestige and through other mechanisms. But the problem is it's very easy to fake those things now. Like it's very easy to fake some of the things, some of the ways that we learn. And so now we are shifting more toward an algorithmic type learning because we learn from a lot of what's going on in society and a lot of our learning in general is done from online. And the study that I came across today, which is going to guide us through the next half hour of our conversation, algorithm-mediated social learning in online social networks, gives us an understanding of what algorithmic learning actually is. So, like I said, instead of us learning as we did through hundreds and thousands of years of evolution in small groups, learning from our in-group, watching people, being interactive, trusting, being able to know that the prestigious person in our in-group is trustworthy and that they've learned from their immediate in-group and so on and so forth. Now that is expanded, number one, big time. And number two, it is mediated by companies, companies who are getting reinforcement from revenue, which makes it very challenging for consumers because when a consumption, a, a company is being reinforced by revenue, they're going to make decisions based on what gets the most revenue. So the researchers in the study define algorithmic mediated learning uh, as based around content engagement and time spent on the platform. So instead of learning so that we learn to cooperate and communicate effectively and problem solve effectively through group problem solving, which is what we've done for the vast majority of our, pre you know, our historical evolution, the vast majority of it, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years, it has only been the last couple hundred, maybe thousands of years at most, where we have started a shift and especially only been this specifically algorithmic mediated learning that has really shifted us over the last couple of decades. So algorithmic, I'm having a terrible time with this word, algorithmic mediated learning is based more on content engagement and time spent on the app. Now, if you've watched the previous episodes on Stolen Focus, the book Stolen Focus. I did a book series on that. You can go back and find that from a, probably three or four months ago at this point. The book's by Johan Hari. I highly recommend the book. It's very engaging read and very telling about what's happening uh, 
as far as engagement in social media and how it's being used. But nonetheless, when you go back to that, you have to understand that social media platforms make money one way. You have to be on the app for them to make money. That is the only way these companies make money. It's the only way even Google makes money. Like you have to be online. You have to be using the thing. Otherwise, they can't make money. Like if you're not using it, it can't be done. It literally, like they are social media on online platforms. If you're not online, they don't make money. It is that simple. So they have to keep you engaged. They have to keep you engaged. Now, I could sit here and tell you, we could talk about how they do it, which we'll talk a little bit about today, and how there's potential better ways to do it, more effective ways to do it, and ways that actually help us grow and prosper and connect and communicate instead of the inverse, which is kind of what's happening. But nonetheless, like they have to keep you engaged in order to get revenue. So the more engaged content they distribute, they distribute, understand, not that is created because there's plenty of content that is created that you don't see that is very useful, very helpful, very community-driven, very uh, personal development-driven that you don't see. So the content that is engaging, that is distributed, keeps you online longer. And that's the whole point. They have to distribute in such a way that it keeps you scrolling, which is why infinite scroll has been such a boon for social media companies. If you don't know what infinite scroll is, just pull up any social media app and start scrolling. And you will notice that you just continue scrolling. <laughs> maybe you notice that now, maybe you don't think about it. I really don't know, but that is infinite scroll. That is just a piece of code that was developed maybe only a decade or so to go. I forget the guy's name who developed it. Um, at any rate, you used to have to go to the bottom of a page and hit next to go to the next feed and go to the next set of posts. But then Infinite Scroll was, was created and the code for that was created. And now you can just scroll. Yeah, there is no hitting next. There is no stopping. So that has been a huge boon for social media companies. So... The misalignment between how we learn historically as human beings versus the way that we are learning through algorithm now is what the researchers of this study called functional misalignment of social learning. On this side, for the majority of human evolution, we learn so that we can learn to cooperate effectively problem solve effectively and communicate effectively. Like that's why we learn. If we don't cooperate, we can't eat because we have to cooperate in order to hunt. We have to cooperate in order to gather. We have to cooperate in order to live with each other because we're, we're in a small space. And if we don't cooperate, then we're all going to die. Like it's, it's almost that simple. If we can't communicate effectively, then we can't cooperate. We can't, hunt, we can't gather, we can't do all these things. So on this side, we have cooperation, group problem solving, and communication. On the other side, now algorithmic learning, we have content engagement, 
and time spent on the app. Those are two very different things with very different modes of learning. I'm sorry, very different um, ways to achieve them. Ways to achieve them. So again, let me rephrase that. The ways to achieve them are the same, but, but the push behind them is much different. So the type of information that is pushed by social media companies is what the researchers of the study call prime information. Prime is, when you break it down, it is prestigious, PR, in-group for the I, moralized for the M, and emotional for the E. It is an, ac an acronym. I couldn't think of that word for a second. Prime is an acronym, prestigious, in-group, moralized, and emotional information. So prestigious simply means that the person or the company or the organization that the information is coming from is a prestigious, well-known person. In a small group, that's easy to understand. You know who the chief is. You know who the, the manager is. You know who the president is. You know that. You know who the, quote, prestigious person is. And when we had smaller groups and when we were, we, when, when we were not as socially engaged online, it was more, it was easier to figure out who was trustworthy and who was not. Now that a lot of this is coming from online, prestige is tracked by followers. Prestige is tracked by other things than whether or not they actually have a track record. It's tracked by followers. It's tracked by if they have a big house. It's tracked by if they're driving fancy cars. For a lot of these influencers online, it's easy enough to go rent a nice car for a day and take a bunch of videos. It's easy enough to go get a huge mortgage and buy a house that you can't actually afford and make it look like you're a baller. It's easy enough to even manipulate now like the way your body looks so it looks like you're maybe in better shape than you actually are. It's easy enough to literally buy followers so that it looks like you are an important person. And so because we have changed our definition of prestige in our society, it becomes more challenging to understand or believe that these people are actually trustworthy and enough of us don't question whether or not that is the case. So that's prestigious in the prime information acronym. In-group is still, like I said, your in-group. So when it comes to content online, they're feeding you information literally from your in-groups based on your, what J Johan Hari states in his book, Stolen Focus, your voodoo doll is what he calls it. So literally as you scroll, as you click, as you search, as you do anything, anything online, they're collecting information, constantly collecting, constantly collecting, and they're creating a voodoo doll of you so that if they push a certain part of the voodoo doll and they throw this piece of content in front of you, they can expect that you're going to engage with it or potentially hit shop or potentially hit purchase. They can expect that to happen. And they know you well enough, they know you well enough that 
they know within good reason that if they throw the right piece of content in front of you, that that's what's going to happen. As scary as that is, it is very true. That kind of goes back to the, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they listen to you because the next day after I was talking about pineapples, the next day I saw an ad in my, uh, in my feed about pineapple, whatever, seltzer water. I don't know why I thought of that. But anyway, it's the scarier thing. And Johan Hari talks about this in his book is that they actually just know you that well, that they really, it was just odd timing. And they just know you that well, that they happen to put up that ad at the right time. Not necessarily that they're listening, but more so that they just have that much information on you. So when it comes to your in-group, what social media companies do, and not just social media companies, Google as well, and other search engine companies, what they do is give you information and feed you information based on your in-group. You don't get to see a whole lot of information outside of your, your normal searchings, your normal, like what you actually look at. You just basically see information based on what you've looked at, what you searched, what you've interact with. So that's what you get to see. And then when it comes to moralized information and emotional information, that's how they really drive content. So they show you prestigious people, quote unquote, and then they make sure that it's based around your in-group or information or beliefs that you have. And then they supercharge it with moralized verbiage and emotional backing. So in other words, the video or the content within the post has a very moralized charge and a very emotional charge to it. And that's the kind of stuff that really becomes viral. That's the kind of stuff that really becomes things that we look at and we really are attracted to because we are emotional beings. We are emotionally driven and because we are emotionally driven we whenever we see content online that drives certain emotions within us especially if it's morally based abortion is a, a perfect example of that so plenty of other morally based examples out there guns and so on and so forth when you start seeing things like that they drive emotion in you they're morally based, and therefore, it's more likely that you're going to stay, stick with it, interact with it, and then stay on the platform. So, real quick, I'm going to take a little drink. This is dangerous on two fronts. On one side is the observational side. That's the consumer. On the other side is the person distributing the information. So on the consumer side, we've already talked a lot about how the co these companies are distributing information for you to engage, using prime information, making sure that the information is coming from a prestigious person, it's in your in-group, it's moralized, and it's emotional. You also will kind of interact in a real world setting based on 
your online engagement, which is also kind of scary. No, not kind of, is also scary. So some research has shown that Twitter users who have engaged in more outrageous content on Twitter are more outrageous than in real person. So if you, and by outrageous, it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean like angry outrageous, just outrageous in general. But if you look at, view, like, share a lot of outrageous content on, that can be Twitter, Facebook. I mean, it's any of these platforms. It just so happens that this one was talking about Twitter. Then that means in real life, you may have a tendency to be more outrageous and act more outrageous. Facebook users have a tendency to share more political information if people online like them tend to share more political information. So if within your Facebook feed, you see people sharing political information and talking about politics and giving their opinion, so on and so forth, you will have a tendency to share more political information, talk about politics and share your opinion, so on, so on and so forth in a real world setting. So it's not only affecting you while you're on the phone, it's also affecting you while you're off the phone. On the other end of that, creators of content are reinforced for certain kinds of content, prime content specifically. You need to have a lot of followers. Uh, you need to make sure that you show that you're in a certain in-group. You need to make it moralized. You need to make it emotional. And you are rewarded for that. In other words, you get more likes, shares, swipes, whatever, whatever kind of thing it is, whenever that happens. So creators will create more of that kind of content so that they get more likes, shares, and comments. So this is dangerous on two ends. This is dangerous on two ends. The last point about why this is so dangerous, which really wraps up the beginning and the title of this factor fiction, what you see on social media is what you get, is that when prime information, prestigious, in-group, moralized, and emotional, when prime information is artificially driven and artificially thrown out to the world and it seems omnipresent, it will make it seem like that kind of behavior is more prevalent than what is actually happening, happening in your social network, like in your true network. In other words, here's a perfect example. Crime. We, and granted it's been a little crazy lately, but like we believe that worldwide crime and hate is just like at an all-time high. But it's not. It's not even close, as a matter of fact. But we believe that it is because on social media, that's all we see. And on Google, that's all we see. And on the news, that's all we see. Because they push this information because they know it creates engagement. They know that you're going to watch and read. And so when we see that, we believe that that's also what's happening around us. If you live in the city where I am, Alexandria, Kentucky, let me tell you, that there are people dropping bombs in Alexandria, Kentucky. Like, it ain't happening. There aren't people out there with machine guns. There aren't people out there doing... I'm sure there's some crazy stuff maybe somewhere, like, back in the country. 
But because we look at it online and we view it online, it is so prevalent online, we, our minds have a tendency to believe that that's the way that it is everywhere, and that's especially the way that it is in our social network, and that is not even close to being the case. So when it comes down to it, to go back to the question, fact or fiction, what you see on social media is what you get. Of course, that is fiction. And I would venture to guess that it is more fiction than it is fact. Now, sadly, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, there is a ton of positive that can be had through social media and through online engagement in general. However, you as a consumer has to learn to regulate that yourself. You have to learn to use the phone and not let the phone use you. You have to learn to unfollow things. You have to learn to not look at certain things. You have to learn to propagate your own feed instead of letting it propagate you. That's challenging. It's tough. But if that is, if we're going to shift how these companies interact with us, then that's what we have to do. It is up to us as consumers to take charge. So that's all I have for today. I know it was a little change of pace from usual, but I think that social media topics are very important um, because they just need awareness. We just need to be aware of what's happening. Um, at any rate, make sure that you share with your friends on social media so that they, <laughs> they can know what's going on too. And until next time, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.